Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me I have Drew Thomas and Don Terrell. Don, what are we doing today? So, um, as you noted in the introduction, we have with us today Drew Thomas, who is our Mercy Hill Church worship leader. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to spend some time with Drew and get to know Drew a bit more, uh, and also uh, venture into a discussion on the topic of biblical worship. So, with that, uh, Drew, share with us your full legal name. Michael Drew Thomas the second. Indeed, y'all are all middle name. Yeah, folks. Who else was middle name? Blake. Blake was. I'm on, I'm the odd man out here. Yeah. Interesting. Did you have the the woes of like being in high school and stuff like that, and your teachers always started out calling you the wrong name? Not so much then because uh, I was from such a small town, but in college. Uh, I got it. I had a, had a one teacher uh, who got a kick out of calling me Michael instead of Drew. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Always that one guy. So uh, you've served as Mercy, Mercy Hill uh, worship leader uh, for how long? Uh, so we started in what, August of 2017? September. September, yeah. So, so that was one of my questions. Original launch team? Yes. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, never mind. So what, what drew Drew to Mercy Hill? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I did that all so, the uh, <laughs> That was fun for me. It was a dad joke. So. Yeah, I like it. I like it. You know, I love dad jokes. So um, Lawson and I have a, have a joke about about the story, but uh, we moved to DeSoto County in 2016 and uh, joined Longview Point, our sending church. And not long after we had gotten there, I heard Lawson preach on a Wednesday night, and and uh, we had just gotten to Longview and, and really gotten settled. and. Immediately, immediately felt the Lord kind of drawing me towards Lawson, and and uh, I, uh, I jokingly tell him that I avoided him for about a month and a half uh, later until he finally tracked me down and we had lunch, and and I just uh, I liked that he was preaching truth, um, and the idea of planting a church had literally never entered my my mind or my family's mind, but the Lord had other plans. Yeah, so. Um so I was attending the same church, and I remember meeting Drew. And in my mind, like every time that every time that I think about meeting you for the first time, I always, for some reason, it's not true, but I always envision you with a guitar slung over your back. <laughs> you know, it's like, like like that, like that's your instrument that you walk through life with. You know, exactly. So, anyways, Drew walks up to me, and I'm I'm literally in some deep theological back and forth is this the real story or is this this is the real story yeah and i'm like back in the back of the of the auditorium and for some reason i guess i have most people say i have an angry and intimidating resting face that's because most people tell you things that are true (laughs) but drew like beeline to me so evidently i have a welcoming like (laughs) i at least welcome drew like drew drew's not afraid so drew walks up to me he's like hey bro I'm Drew Thomas. How do I get involved here? Like what? Like and so like that's the I've always said like that's the that's the number one like essence of Drew is like guitar slung over his back <laughs> and yeah and yeah. and how do I how do I get involved? Um, and I remember telling Lawson when he was like, "Hey, uh, Drew Thomas is going to go with us." Um, and at this time, I had not made the decision to commit to launch, and uh, and I remember I had just started. A home group, which is a little bit different from that church's normal operating procedure, is to have anything off campus. It was kind of an oddity. And we were going to do it on Sunday mornings, like before service, we're going to have a home group. 
And uh, I remember wanting to invite you. Wow. And I was so mad at Lawson. I, I, I think, I don't know if you remember this, but I said, bro, like, Drew's the kind of guy that I wanted at my home group. I'm sorry about your life. But it's just interesting, right? How yeah. Providence all seems, and it brought us together. So here Amen we are. Um, Lawson, share with us, like, how you met Drew. Like, what's, what's, that, so, what's that memory So like? I have two. T- my first memory of Drew is the first time I was preaching, um, Drew, and I didn't even know your name at this point, because um, you were playing in the band, and there was a door at the back of the auditorium that I was preaching mm-hmm. in, and he peeks around the corner, and he looks at his watch, and he looks down, and he looks up at me, and he's like looking at his watch back and forth. So I thought that I was running long, mm-hmm. and literally, <laughs> you had no idea you were doing no that. No, so like, so I literally cut like two points. Um, and I, I just remember being like, oh my goodness, I'm running long. So I got to cut off. And so I started to cut off then. So that was my first encounter with you. But then I'm trying to remember who pointed me to you. Um, I don't even, it may, I, I would assume it may, I don't know. I don't know who it was, but then, um, uh, met you, asked you to pyros. Yeah. And that's when you told me you avoided me. And, uh, and I said, Hey, I really want you to think about this. And, uh, and that was the. That was the big short. I don't. I don't even remember the, what you're playing with a pen. I'm sorry. I'm always playing with a pen. Yeah, it's I'll just stop. gonna come through. I'll stop. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the uh, so I don't. I don't even remember who introduced us to you. I don't. I don't. You know, we. Um, I remember that Sunday you're talking about where you were preaching, and we were. Uh, I think maybe back in the back before or in between, mm-hmm. and and getting to know you then. Um, but for me, that that first impression, uh, and you preached on First Peter. Uh, oh, what you yeah. call your sugar stick, uh, yeah. justification, uh, <laughs> That's true. sanctification and glorification. Yeah. And uh, maybe a shock to you guys, but I, I had never heard it preached that way. Yeah. Uh, and the Lord was, he was in that just working. Mm. Uh, you know, when we went to Longview Point, we really had never set under true expository preaching. And like I said, we, we get there and a lot of that is, is, is the Lord giving us, I hear that message. So because of that, and just because, uh, we were so blessed uh, and welcomed by uh, Longview Point. Uh, I did. I, I avoided him. Uh, avoided him pretty hard there. But uh, I remember after we had lunch that day at Pyros, um, I knew what the Lord was doing, and I went home and, and told my wife that I felt like He was leading us to uh, to help Mercy Hill plant. Hmm. So I think you know whether you've known Drew for five minutes, fifteen minutes, or ten years. I, I think the one thing for me that comes becomes very apparent. Uh, immediately and knowing Drew is that you're an all things Mississippi expert ambassador. <laughs> Found like this man, y'all can know. He, he's like, what town are you in? Oh yeah, I got a plumber there. Like I'm talking <laughs> about like <laughs> deep in the weeds of like ambassadorship. Am I right about this? No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Did yeah. you know this about yourself? I love the sip, and and I'm blessed with a lot of Come good on. friends. So Drew, have you ever heard of the game Desert Island? Yes. Okay. So. I was looking at this online. It's like, why do we call it? This is totally off the. Su- it is on the subject, but totally chasing a rabbit. Why is it called Desert Island? Like it should be called Deserted Island. Oh, true. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, anyways, we all call it, and like, anyways, it's weird because it should be called Deserted Island. Yeah. But we call it Desert Island. Huh. So, um, essentially, just for our audience, if if they haven't heard <laughs> of the game. Uh, it's a game where you imagine you're stranded for the rest of your life on an island, but before being stranded, you have the ability to choose certain things and certain amount of things that you would take. And the examples are like, 
what's your favorite book? What's the only movie? What's the only food that you would take? And so those are just some examples I've, I've had <clears throat> playing the game. So I thought this would be fun. So because Drew is such an expert and ambassador in all things Mississippi, I want to explore the mind of Drew, Uh-oh. excuse me, Michael Drew Thomas. And imagine, oh, the second. And imagine we are stranded in Mississippi like on a deserted island. Okay? <laughs> so, there's, so there's nobody else here? We're just no, no, Mississippi? No, no, no. It's just, you'll see where we're going. Okay. Yeah. So Drew, name for me the following. If you could only have one Mississippi red beans and rice... What would that be? Oh, man. He's about to say his own. I know. My own. Okay. Yeah, he's about to All say right. his own. Yeah. All right. Or, uh, or some of my friends' homemade uh, okay. tend to prefer that. Um, but, but the only one, because the desert island is, I, I can't take multiple things. I got to take one. So are you committing to taking your own? And I'm fine with that. I, I want to recant that. I would like to, uh, I think I would take the veranda. My buddy Jay Yates. Okay. Take his. So only uh, name for me only one Mississippi saltwater fish to catch and eat. Oh, for sure it would be a redfish. Okay, and yeah. how would you cook it? On the half shell, grilled okay. on the half shell. All right. If you don't know what that is, use the internet. <laughs> uh, what's the only one best fountain drink? Like, so where would you get it, and what would it be? Uh, it'd for sure be a diet coke. Okay. Um, horrible for me, I know, but. I thought you might go Barks Root Beer. Barks Root really Beer is good. Get, if I did that, I would really probably go, go with a, with maybe a Ward's Barks Root Beer or okay. something like that. Okay. But, uh, just a good fountain uh, fountain uh, Diet Coke from Dodges. From Dodges? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right here in Olive Branch? Right here in OB. Okay. Um, only one best public restroom for an emergency pit stop. <laughs> <laughs> only one? I've got to go Walmart on that, man. Which So which Walmart? Um any of them. Any of them? Yeah, they're they, They're all classy. They're nice and tidy. You gotta okay. go. You gotta do the family restroom. So, and, <laughs> you gotta sneak in the family restroom in the back. So at least we know in de- in, in deserted Mississippi that Walmart's it's still are all open yeah. everywhere. But there's only <laughs> one of everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, only one best place to camp. Oh, I'm gonna go hometown Choctaw Lake. Okay. Only one best back road to ride. And, Brad, if you don't know mm-hmm. what riding back roads is, you, you're missing out on a good portion oh, of Oh, man. I'll probably go hometown again. I'll go uh, go South Union Road. Nice. I love this road. All right. Only one best fairground. Uh, state fairgrounds in Jackson. Okay. Got to go Gotta go traditional. All right. Only one best honky-tonk. <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble with <laughs> no that one. No joke. Come on. Uh, Country Music Palace in Vaden. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble, like I said. <laughs> only one Mississippi cash crop. And it, it, you got to choose between catfish or sweet potatoes. Catfish. Okay. Only one Mississippi freshwater fish to catch and eat. And crappie. Cook? All day. Crappie. How would you cook it? Um, if you don't stink the grease with them, I'll throw you yeah, out Yeah, we got we got to, we got to uh, <laughs> catch and release into hot grease. Okay. All right. Uh, only bowl of turnip greens that you would have, and, and it has to be the one that you that makes you finish the pot liquor. and. And I just wanted to say pot liquor for just yeah. just for the value. For of it. sure, my mama's. Lawson's looking at me like, what I have is no pot clue what that is. That's okay. Don't tell him. Yeah, for sure, my mom's. Okay, um, that was a safe answer. Yeah. So tra- answer. transitioning, what do you think about co-captaining our newest Mercy Hill brainchild? Oh no. Which is, and this is the this is the name I'm I, I've, I'm thinking we're going with. Meet up Mercy Hill in Mississippi. Oh. These are adult couples trips. Love it. Day trips, yes, where we meet up in Mississippi, 
on a Saturday for a breakfast or a lunch. And these have to be places, you know, that's like if you're the only if, if you and your wife get in a car and you road trip it and you you show up there and you're the only two people there, it's still a good day. Right? Yeah, for sure. OK, so off the cuff, what would be your best trip we would plan keeping the lady and the man in mind? And again, like we got to think we, you know, we start small. So I don't name any place on the coast, you know, yeah. let's, let's get it some somewhere North Mississippi. Describe the out and back and what would be the agenda for the day? So that's a tough question. Um, and I mean, you could think like, you know, is it a, is it a breakfast trip or is it a lunch trip? You know, just, you know, I'm thinking just an easy breakfast, lunch, North Mississippi, like what would that look like? I'm thinking lunch, um, Bro, you're throwing you're throwing some stuff at me here. Um, maybe hometown barbecue, Sunny Smokehouse. Uh, take a so trip. where's so where so, so is take a trip down to Ackerman. Maybe go by way of uh, of Oxford. Okay, and, and uh, down through Calhoun City and Eupora. And okay, um, and what like what what time in the car would that be? How about long? two hours. About two so a hours. Long. Okay, a little long. So you would go two hours. We would go where to what city? Sunny Smokehouse in Ackerman. In Ackerman, and yeah. what would be the is that a plate lunch place or it's barbecue a, it's spot? It's barbecue, yeah. Okay. Eat outside barbecue place. Okay. Like picnic yeah. tables outside yeah. type yeah. setup. Yeah. So mine would be uh, Phillips Grocery. Oh, yeah. In Holly Springs. And I've never been there. But I think, how far is that? Maybe 45 minutes? That's perfect. So that was mine. Yeah, I like yours better. So we got two teed up. Yeah. So my thought is if we can, if we can incorporate this idea, then at least we've got two ideas that we can choose from absolutely so speaking of because remember our our day trip is always not just for the man Mm -hmm. but for the lady that's right so speaking of lady what's your bride's name crystal okay crystal nicole crystal nicole i literally didn't know that yeah that's new information i call her chris so i once heard someone ask crystal oh goodness at one of our after church service lunches Mm. and i quote so this is the question that was posed to her. <laughs> all right. Every time you start something, I get scared. Yeah, we all should. We're all leaning on the edge of our seat. I'm the one driving. Yeah, I know. I know. So uh, here was here was the, the question that was posed to Crystal, and I quote, Crystal, what's it like being married to such a great cook? And she mm. replied in one word, and I'm going to ask you for guesses, but we have to, I have to just set the table. Mm-hmm. It was in response to your red beans and rice. So oh, I'm shocked man. earlier that you recanted on your I red beans and rice because that they are like they're legit. And somebody's eating your red beans and rice and turns to your bride and says, "What's it like being married to the man that crafted this bowl of goodness?" <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask you for guesses on the word, but I'm going to give you synonyms of this word just to try to prompt maybe if you know the word. So here's the synonyms, okay? Breathtaking. Oh, come on. Charged. Electric. Electrifying. <laughs> exciting. <laughs> exhilarative. Galvanic. Galvanizing. Bro, here, here's one. Hair-raising. So this is my bro, wife. Bro, you are. Yes. <laughs> yes. Heart, no, no, it gets better, bro. Heart-stopping. Inspiring. This is one of my favorite. Intoxicating. Kicky. <laughs> Mind-bending, mind-blowing, mind-boggling, <laughs> rip-roaring, rousing, stimulating, stirring, and thrilling. Any idea what the word is? I have no I would have figured she would have probably said tiring. <laughs> 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 um, 
No, no guess. Okay. Uh, Lawson, any guess? No. The word is exhilarating. Yeah. Seriously. That's the word she used. Yeah. Bro, I take that to the bank. Yeah. So this, so Maybe like she I said, needs to be exhilarating to deal with all the, the, the tiring uh, characteristics that I, that I have certainly. <laughs> on her. So this was in reference to your red beans and rice, as I said. So tell us, tell us the secret. Um, starts with, with, uh, with good beans. I like the camellia beans made in New Orleans. I love this. Um, is, is that, in, is that a, is that in the family of the Pinto? It's, um, it's a red kidney bean. Okay. So it's a kidney bean. All right. A lot of times I'll mix a red bean and a red kidney. Okay. Uh, got to get the soak on the beans overnight. Okay. Um, for sure. Country pleasings sausage okay a mississippi made uh, sausage down in rakin county you yeah. know i love my mississippi See? stuff <laughs> See? shouting out uh giving the shout out um and then you know some people use the trinity the celery uh the garlic and the bell pepper uh we're not a big celery eaters um so we do uh and i got the trinity wrong but i'll do i'll do onion and rub onion, that yeah. red bell pepper um and uh, of course garlic and then a uh, little little secret that I put in there is uh, is some uh, little diced green chilies. Okay, and so tell for the audience and for us. So that all goes in the crock pot. Um, depending on for, for church stuff, yeah, I'll put it in the crock pot because it's easier. But okay. like the last batch I made at home, I cooked it on the stovetop. Yeah, on the stovetop. Okay, I, I had you, you just to cook the, it till the beans are tender. Uh, yeah, you do. Um, just like bring it to a bowl, turn it down, low simmer, low simmer for how long? For a while, a um, couple just until hours. You're ready to eat yeah, it. just a couple hours. So the just, gravies itself. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Get get all those uh, all those spices and juices kind of okay. soaked in together. Always better on the second day too. Certainly, everything's better on the second day. Mm. So, the rice. Are you peculiar when it comes to the rice? No, you're not. Just instant okay. rice is cool. Instant I know you're rice. a rice guy though, so I'd like to hear your take on that. So I'm peculiar. Yep. No. So this is where I think like the rice cooker has recently changed my life, and it can just take like normal everyday rice. Yeah. And, turn- and so this this is uh, so I got a rice cooker. It's a Japanese rice cooker I got off of Amazon, and it like it knows when the rice is done. Come on. It's called fuzzy math. That's how they advertise this. It's like because cooking rice is never the same. It's like the humidity matters. The temperature in the room matters. It's a science, all the, bro. It is, man. Yeah. It is. And so, like, now this rice cooker does all this stuff for me. And so, to me, like, the rice cooker is pretty awesome. Um, it's about as awesome as the Toto toilet. And if you don't know the Toto toilet, you need to travel to Japan one day and <laughs> not familiar. <laughs> experience the Toto toilet. Google that. So, uh, speaking of peculiar, Drew, do you like fried okra? Absolutely. Me too. Do you think out of any vegetable, there is any other vegetable, especially fried, that quite embodies the Southern food culture quite like fried okra? I might have to stick with fried okra. Fried squash yeah. is pretty good, but fried okra is yeah, where it's Yeah, to at. me, like, it embodies, like, what it means to be Southern. Absolutely. And especially with our vegetables, right? Yeah, because, yeah. like, you're, like okra is really peculiar. It's, it's really close to the southern, the southern heart. Absolutely. So I've heard it described as being able to bring even Calvinists and Arminians together in harmonious fellowship. Nice. I mean, this is what it does. It's <laughs> synonymous with our own local food culture, bridging the gaps of nearly every person. What would you say to someone who sat down to share a plate of this Southern delicacy and began by picking the breading off and only eating the breading? Christian Cross, so, I'm coming for you. So, I'm coming for you. You'll have your moment. 
<laughs> Drew, what would you say to that individual? Would that be normal behavior? So I would hold out my hand. Yes. And say, give me your Southerner card. <laughs> yes. Is that fair? <laughs> yes. So, but let's be honest. Would you have sympathy for someone who picked the breading off and then proceeded to eat the okra? I yeah, would. I would. I would. I would be like, oh, he's, this individual still loves okra. Yeah, yeah, they just don't want, yeah, they don't want the fried bits. Are you watching their cholesterol or something? Yes. So speaking of okra ambassadors and being peculiar, Lawson, you're an ambassador of Mercy Hill. And as an ambassador, the public needs to know you fail to uphold certain tenets of our loving community, such as we eat fried okra, <laughs> all of it. Tell us, Lawson, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> He's in so much trouble. I'm going to figure out a way to, to there's going to be recompense for this. I literally looked at him as I was doing this, and I said, you cannot tell anybody, which I guess was like the indication that he should tell people. That he should oh, shout it from the mountaintops. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely doing that. So, why? Like, why? What's the... I don't like the texture of okra. It's and, a texture thing. Yeah, it's a texture thing. And where we were, which, by the way, another shout-out, Wing Guru, which I think is the best wings around, um, they, all they have is French fries as sides, and I can't eat French fries that make me sick. And so I was like, I got to have something else other than just the wings. And so I get the fried okra and ate the breading. So aren't you a, a, a fighting okra? I am oh, partially goodness. a fighting okra. Okay. It's out of reverence that I yeah. don't eat the okra. Oh, I see. So you can't even get it fried well done and deal with it? No, I hate it. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a texture about it. It's not, no, not doing it. So transitioning. Mm. Speaking of things we should come together and share in and not pick apart since it's clearly defined and prescribed in Scripture is the act of worship. Amen. Okay. Indeed. Indeed. Drew, when you invite us to stand, to sing, or open a time of worship, you always do so by calling the congregation to worship the one true God in spirit and in truth. Yes. Yes. So I thought... Let's break those distinctions down biblically for our listening audience and for each of us, which are, so here are the distinctions, one true God, truth, and spirit, okay? Obviously, that's a different order, so nobody freak out. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a loaded comment. Um Nobody freak out over the order. Mm -hmm. I just thought we would move them around just, just for conversation. So um, I have a quote. So before we begin, I've got a quote for us. And it's, it's 1 Corinthians fourteen nineteen, And Paul says, Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So, gentlemen, it, it seems like Paul is on to something here. So with that... Let's strike up the band. Oh, my goodness. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, if you had one song to sing and only sing forever here at Mercy Hill, what would that be? And before you answer, this is also our question for our friends over at the Good Doctrine Podcast. And before you answer, Drew, we had a question that they had posed to us, and our answer is, come in close, Song of Solomon. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So, so, Drew, the question is, again, if you had one song to sing and only sing forever here at Mercy Hill, what would that be? Oh, um, wow. 
there's so many good ones. I would uh, I'd probably go come praise and glorify Sovereign Grace song. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Lawson, what I mean, you and I didn't think through this. I was uh, just curious. Um All right. It's probably a little bit of a shameless plug. Um oh, we stand upon the cross of Christ, which is a song that Drew and I wrote. Oh, yeah. Um but gets me every time. And like so that we sang it what 2 weeks ago, we 3 did, weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And I just remember like the reason I love it is because it just walks through it walks us through the gospel. And just just a fun fact because he won't say this. So him and I wrote the verses together. I text him like my rough draft of the verses and this was like I don't know 11:30 at night and uh I text him and I don't know. Thirty minutes back, he sends. He sends. Uh, Thirty minutes later, he sends back the chorus, and the chorus is just astonishingly good. And so he won't say that, but I'm going to brag on him. And you're bragging because it came back so quickly. Yeah, like, I mean, like snap, it's like thirty minutes. On the spot, and it, so, I, so I had been laying in bed writing for like three hours. And it's like 30 minutes later, here's a chorus, and I'm like, nice. why did I? Why do I waste my time writing these verses <laughs> when he could just do them in half the time? I think for me, it'd be the doxology. That's fair. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, one. that's a good one. Um. So, why? So, just a question, and for all of us, um, why is it vitally important that we uphold the call to worship of the Trinitarian God? So, and before you answer, I've, I've got a scripture that I think might encompass uh, the, the truth and the importance. So it says, and it's Ephesians two eighteen: For through Him, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So, again, the question is, just for conversation, why is it vitally important we uphold the call to worship of the Trinitarian God? Pastor Lawson? <laughs> um, well, first, if we're, if we're not worshiping the Trinitarian God, we're not worshiping God. Mm. Um, and so there is, there is a very true sense where if we are singing and worshiping, even should you take it to modalism, and I think the, the danger of modalism is they'll, they'll sing things that Trinitarians sing, but they mean something vastly different. And so when we sing worship to the Trinitarian God, we're singing to the three distinct persons of the Godhead, mm-hmm. where in which without them, we, we would have no access to the throne of grace. We would have mm-hmm. no gospel. We would have mm-hmm. no creation. There's no means of, there's nothing to worship. Mm-hmm. So when, when someone mentions Trinitarian worship, um, we may immediately think of the times when we make specific reference to the Trinity in our worship services. For example, we may think of some of the classic hymns of the church that mention the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like the doxology, which concludes with praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But worship that is in spirit and truth is Trinitarian also when the doctrine of the Trinity is not explicitly mentioned. In worship, the congregation lifts its collective heart to God to declare his worth. As the flow of worship progresses and God is praised, the congregation's approach to God is always Trinitarian. Amen to that. That's so good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so why is Trinitarian worship exclusive and vital to us here at Mercy Hill? Anything else? I mean, I think you also, I mean, probably covered that. Well, I mean, going back to the means by which we worship. So like even in that verse you read from Ephesians, the whole concept is we, we praise the Father through the Son, mm-hmm. empowered by the Spirit. This mm-hmm. is the same way we think about preaching, mm-hmm. right? We're always, we are a Trinitarian people, and you mm-hmm. can't detach us mm-hmm. from that. Everything we do is Trinitarian. Yeah, for me, like when I was preparing for this, Drew, like it, like to me, I probably glossed over. I mean, this is just is a sad admission on my part, but it's to me like the one thing in preparing for this was 
the importance of the one true God, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you, like I, I had never stopped and studied the absolute like imported or implied meaning in that, or the real meaning might be a better way to distinguish that is the one true God. And what we're distinguishing is Trinitarian, which is the ministry of all three persons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Within like, that's who we're called to worship. So we're worshiping Christ, the Father, and the Spirit. So you and I on the doxology, mm. do you remember this? Like you and I talked about it, and I was like, at the end, it was missing. So originally, just yeah. for the audience, it was it was missing the amen. That's right. That's right. And so you put it in there. Absolutely. And I, I could never until the other day, until like getting ready for this, like why we, why that, I guess I'll use the word mattered. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking through, like, expressly in the scripture, it says that we utter our amen, our yes and amen through mm-hmm. Christ. And that's awesome. And so, bro, like, I was like, to me, like, to have you call us to worship and just thinking through the doxology and you being, you know, a student of the lyric and even, even confirming that now we sing the amen. And to me, even with the amen... It's it's Trinity. It's it is a moment of Trinitarian worship mm-hmm. at the end That's of the good. doxology. Um, so moving on just a bit, the reason so I'll, I'll just summarize: the reason true worship is Trinitarian is that God's revelation of Himself to us, especially His saving revelation, is Trinitarian. When the Father sent the Son, the Son the Son came in power of the Spirit. Since the Father saved us through the Son by the power of the Spirit, we approach Him using the same pathway. Through Christ, we all have access in one spirit to the Father. It becomes clear that our worship is our response to the gospel of Christ. Our way of approaching God reflects the way he has approached us. So thinking, thinking through, like, why is such worship both simple and profound? Um, so I think... The Bible, I don't know how to answer this. Um, the Bible to me is quite clear on what true worship is and what false worship is. Mm. And to me, the simplicity li- lies in that. Mm. I don't know, Lawson, you want to add to no, that? No, I but... agree. I mean, I think it's a matter. Of, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, um... and of course, the truth is is profound, right? It is. It's simple and profound because you know I was thinking through. That it's simple because God's grace directs our faith to Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? And He's the only mediator between God and men. Mm-hmm. But in Christ, we meet the face of the Father and the power of the Spirit. And so, it, it's also profound because it's it's a doctrine that, from a Trinitarian perspective, can can we fully comprehend? Mm-hmm. You know, and so like when we're being called into worship. The simple truth is, like, all of this complexity um, is really is so simple when we see mm-hmm. who Christ is, yeah. right? I mean, mm-hmm. he is he is the—I'm thinking of that scripture in Hebrews. He is the—I well, memorized, like, I you memorized a big chunk. the entirety book, I thought. No, I didn't. And, uh, and not the entire book, but— yeah. a, um, 
he is the image of the invisible God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, f- yeah. full revelation yeah. there. Um, but can, so I can ask. Can, I want to ask you a question yeah. because mm-hmm. uh, um, you know when we talk about the simplicity and the and and how profound it actually is. What are some ways that you see the simplicity of it really be? be clouded or to be made more complex when God intended it to be simple? Um, preference sometimes. I uh, think that, um, and you know, I tell you guys all the time, I have, you know, it's, I have some pretty quite simple answers about it. And it's, yeah. and it's because of the grace of God yeah. who's shown me through his word, through the Holy Spirit's revealing yeah. what he desires yeah. in worship. It's there in scripture and in multiple places, but, um, Sometimes what can cloud it um, is the culture and yeah. preferences. Uh, thankfully, at Mercy Hill, we, we don't really see a lot of that. Yeah. Praise be to God for that. We've walked through some of that uh, in our history. Yeah. Um, but I think Costi Hen described it. He said it's a cultural worship is just a bit of a fog. Yeah. So preference would be would be one. Um, I don't know. What are some of the things you see? Well, let me let me add because yeah. because yeah. you you mentioned history. Yeah. So I I wanted to cover this because moving on to truth, right? So it's yeah. like your call to worship uh, is we worship the one true God in spirit and in truth, mm-hmm. and, and we all stand. So moving to truth. So talking about the history of Mercy Hill, early in the days of Mercy Hill, working through lyrics. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> helpful. Like, and, and I guess like question would be. And there's there's a series of questions. So this mm-hmm. this will be maybe some more practical ways that we can talk about talk about like how this has been worked through in the life mm-hmm. of Mercy Hill. Um, you know, there, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, there were some songs, right? That I think um, as we worked through, it was like, hey, I, I don't necessarily know that that word embodies biblical truth, and right? that can be difficult. Yeah, and that can step on some toes as well. So would you would you think like looking back? Was that helpful to work through that, or is it just is it just like move on? You know it, what I'm saying? Like, so just explain that. It's helpful. So, and Lawson can speak to this. You know, um, there was a, a pretty big feeling of inadequacy on my part getting started. Um, you know, being bivocational and, and never having been in this role before. So, it's helpful in that. Um, you know, I had to make some. I had to make some mistakes, and I had to struggle with my confidence in order for the. And, and obviously, the Lord is sovereign over this. But the, it, the outer working of that was, it enabled me to grow in grace and be and be sanctified through truth. Um, you know, I had to step in a couple of holes along the way to, uh, to for 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 us to be where we are now. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I I remember like working through this as a group, and it was like you know our fallback on it was. There's other, there's, I mean, think about all the musical selections that we can choose from. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But w- what my thought is, like, some some may perceive this as a weakness, like going through someone's written work and saying, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have chosen that word, I would choose this word, and being, and being peculiar or pre- specific to change that and then offering up a new lyr- lyrical work, yeah. you know, sometimes we have to think back and go, well, this work is in fact copyrighted. You know, there's, yeah, a, there's yeah, an yeah, easy yeah, way yeah, to like yeah. not get in a sling. So it's fun that we could work through the lyrics and say, this isn't a song lyrically yeah. that embodies truth. And so we'll, instead of changing it, 
yeah. rewriting it. We'll just move it to the side and, and move on to the other thousands of works. Yeah. But I, I came across this oh, uh, subject being broached by John Piper. And, you know, he's got the questions uh, questions to Pastor John. Yeah. And so um, one of his folks wrote in or called in, and uh, he, he answers a question. And um, the question posed to him was, the uh essentially working through a song like from a worship team and working through like the lyrical truth of it you mm-hmm. know kind of like what we had gone through and john piper says uh he ne- he mentions never working through this issue he had never been asked ever mm. in his entire ministry wow. i wow. guess publicly outside of his church i'm assuming yeah. about working through this and so he mentioned uh, again, never working through the issue, which I I found to be an oddity. Like, in, really I mean, we're all That's like, really wow, surprising to me. because it because I think we would all agree, given the amount of lyrical work which has been produced in contemporary Christian music in the last fifty years, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. just don't know. Don's shaking his head very yeah. hard. Like, no, we're, that <laughs> one's not true. Yeah, you know, it that. might have a catchy yeah. beat. Yeah, and it may be a pretty song. Yeah. But it's 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 not edifying. Yeah, and so many today are are that as far as being beautifully written, composed songs, mm. even with some moments of truth in them, yeah. some mm-hmm. profound uh, lyrics uh, that are uh, that turn into uh, some very unprofound yeah. Yeah. lyrics later in the, yeah. in the, in the song. So um, John says, and he he begins answering the question, and, and the question really is like, what do you think about working through lyrics and either discarding the song or changing or not finding the song to be adequate. And so his response is, uh, and I quote, let me start broad and then get specific because I love the issue. He says, I love the concern. Mm. The first thing I want to do is praise God for a worship team that is struggling with issues of truth in song lyrics. This is really good news. It's a good sign, and I hope all worship leaders who hear this would be encouraged to do the same. One of the reasons this is really good news is that a congregation learns its theology and takes it down into the crevices of their soul by the songs that they sing, not just by the preaching they hear. Thoughts on that? First, I'll start. I, I can't imagine not having the relationship that I have with my elders in discussing the content of what we sing and how that aligns with biblical truth. You know, we say if it, if it can't be preached from the pulpit, we're not going to sing it. Mm. Um, and I forget what was the last part that he said there. It says that, uh, one of the reasons that it's really good news, the congregation learns its theology and takes it down in the crevices of their soul by the songs that they sing, not just by the preaching. they So, what we sing teaches. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah, whether it's yeah. good or bad, it it teaches. Yeah, especially, no <laughs> yeah, especially the the ears and the minds and the hearts of our of our children. Mm. And I think even on top of that, thinking about children. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I I would say that everyone who grew up in church was largely molded by the songs they sang. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you know, Father Abraham had many sons yeah and i'm one of them that's right i am but i didn't but I, but i wasn't when i sang it right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right and so like i i even remember like vbs and i'm not i'm not like hating on vbs i really not but i would sing and i mean i was unregenerate 
I am a C H R I S T I A N. Mm-hmm. Like that taught me, mm-hmm. um, and it taught me inappropriately. Mm. Yep. Uh, so John goes on to say, I'll, I'll pick back up on his quote. Historically, it's the hymnody of the church that has, alongside preaching, been one of the most powerful means by which a church is taught. Mm-hmm. I would guess that in some churches, the songs may even be more decisive in the way truth is embraced because the preaching may be so thin when it comes Oof. to doctrinal Oof. teaching. Of course, the songs may be very thin as well. You can sing very thin songs that just repeat even great sentences like, His name is great. That's true, but does it ever say why it's great Mm. or how the cross grounds its greatness? I say amen to the struggle, and I commend every worship team to be vigilant over the lyrics of what their people are singing. Yeah, thankful for that, brother. Yeah, Yeah. bro. So that just, I mean, amen to you, Mm. like, for excellence in your ministry. That's the glory of God, brother. And knowing that we don't sing very thin songs because we don't. You know, I mean, some of my favorite songs are, uh, and I remember, you know, they— they bless me because they they call forward yeah. out of my heart mm. theology. But to mm-hmm. think about people that are sitting in the congregation, like we need to be. I mean, I think you would agree, Drew. Like it needs to be very clear and and explaining, you know, and full of rich theology of doctrines about why we worship the one mm. true God. Uh, anything to add as far as over what John had said about. Um, just to, you know, your comment about what we sing here, um, the Lord has been very patient, uh, and full of grace with me in this. Um, you know, it wasn't long ago that, that these truths were not evident to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm thankful for, um, God's word, uh, for him giving me a love for it. Um, I'm thankful for the faithful shepherding of my elders, uh, which has been huge in the last almost four years. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, I think that's what has given our church as a whole, the ability to, to love singing truth. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And amen, bro. Um, so just kind of pivoting. So the essence of true worship is not external but internal it's heart and head Mm -hmm. emotion and thought spirit and truth whether we're talking all of life as worship or corporate gatherings for worship but while the external forms that our worship takes are not insignificant they are not the essence they don't make it and they shouldn't break Hmm. it true worship is not centered on a co-extensive with the forms but flowing from the heart which is spirit and truth. Mm. So I wanted to I wanted to, us to think through John four twenty three. So deal with not on this mountain or in this place. God yeah. seeks true worshipers, and so John four twenty three says, "But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him." So we worship in spirit. So th- this is again, guys. Like I mean, it's like I'm sure like when you're preparing to teach, like it ministers to you yeah first it scares and foremost. me sometimes too when you're going through like lyrical selection it's it's ministering to you Absolutely. so when i was working through this it was like obviously all of this is great reminder great teaching for myself uh we worship in capital s spirit and would you also uphold little s spirit lawson what do you think yes yeah, so um 
Stephen Charnock has a an excellent uh, treatise on uh, spiritual worship of the spiritual worship of the Christian, and his whole argument is if God is spirit, which is the which is what he's addressing in John four. And we could say big S, big S, yeah. Mm-hmm. If God is spirit, then it is it is foolish. I mean, like his whole argument was you aren't engaging in worship if your spirit is not mm-hmm. engaging in worship. Mm-hmm. Like you can go through all the motions, and I think one of the great ways to see that is in that uh, idea of. Uh, on this mountain or on that mountain, there were people that made their way to these mountains to worship, Mm -hmm. but they weren't worshiping. Mm -hmm. They were just going through motions and rituals and things of that nature. It requires the engagement of the human spirit, Mm -hmm. but it also requires access, which I would argue comes obviously through Christ first and foremost, but Mm -hmm. through the application of that through the spirit Mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. Which, Drew, gives you great freedom because we don't have to be on any mountain. Right, we can. We can. <laughs> yeah. There's a hill back here. He would have to yeah. sling his guitar on his back, yeah. <laughs> get his staff out, and lead us there. Yeah. So um, I have a I have a John Piper analogy. Okay. So and analogies can be super dangerous, especially when we don't. You find hate them. analogies. Well, it's like the three leaf clover. You know that shows. This you, is the Trinity. Yeah, it's like no easy there. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think, well, I'll tell you my thoughts afterwards. It's just, we'll work through it. So um, here's the analogy. I think of it something like this, and he, he's making reference to big S spirit, little s spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of it something like this. The fuel of worship is the truth of a gracious, sovereign God. The furnace of worship is your spirit, and the heat of worship is the vital affections of reverence, fear, adoration, contrition, trust, joy, gratitude, and hope. But something is missing from that analogy, namely fire. The fuel of truth in the furnace of your spirit does not automatically produce the heat of worship. There has to be fire, which I think is the Holy Spirit. When Jesus says in John 4, 23, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, some take him to mean in the Holy Spirit. I've taken him to mean that worship must come from your spirit within instead of being merely formal and external. Wow. Comments? Thoughts? I mean, so my first thought was what we do every Lord's Day is, so I agree with him that, right, it's the Spirit of God that breathes that fire in and it's our spirit that essentially exhales praise but the spirit speaks in particular ways and so like for instance at mercy hill when we begin worship the very first thing we do is we read scripture mm-hmm. right so I, like i remember um growing up and it's like hey we're going to start with this song and i'm thinking my goodness like i just walked in the door like everything crazy happened five seconds earlier like i, I need something to provoke Mm-hmm. worship mm-hmm. and so like the, the a call to worship is not just like hey this is how we start mm-hmm. it's this is what we need mm-hmm. to be able to worship in spirit and in truth mm-hmm. and so the reason that we read like so you read revelation 19 which is this vision of christ last sunday that was i mean it, it is a huge vision of him mm-hmm. right this this lion who is going to come and crush all of his enemies and so like that that promotes grandeur, right? Like you see him as he is, and naturally then the only response is, well, we're going to worship him. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the Spirit primarily uses the Word. Mm. Uh, and I, I'm not going to say exclusively because he does use other means, 
Um, and by that, I mean like he uses experiences and things like that to provoke worship. Absolutely. But the primary means is through the word. Yeah, so picking back up with John uh, Piper's quote, he, he says, but in John 3, 6, Jesus connects God's spirit and our spirit in a remarkable way. He says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Mm-hmm. In other words, until the Holy Spirit touches our spirit with the flame of life, our spirit is so dead it does not even qualify as spirit. Mm. Only that which is born of the spirit, big S, is spirit. So when Jesus says that true worshipers will worship in spirit, he must mean that true worship only comes from spirits that are made alive and sensitive and vital by the touch of the Holy Spirit. Hard to agree. Yeah, me too. So I talked to my team about spirit-led worship, mm. spirit-filled worship. Mm. Again, quite simply put, but mm-hmm. I think but that's profound. what I think that's what Dr. John yeah. is saying there. Um, so he he goes on to say, so now we can complete the analogy. The fuel of worship is the grand truth of a gracious and sovereign God. The fire that makes the fuel burn white hot is the quickening of the Holy Spirit. The furnace made alive and warm by the flame of truth is our renewed spirit, and the resulting heat of our f- affections is worship, pushing its way out in tears. Confessions, prayers, praises, acclamations, lifting of hands, bowing low, and obedient lives. Notice verse 34, when his disciples come back with food, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. The work of God is to seek real worshipers. Jesus was sent to accomplish this work. Mm. Helpful analogy? Yeah, I think it's missing something, just to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I, I do think it's missing the the um the application of the word of god um okay. and and while i think you know he's, he he kind of mentioned something he did he there. said he said at the yeah. at the beginning but i, I understand what you're saying he yeah, says like I, the fuel of worship is the grand truth of a gracious and sovereign god yeah and mm. and I, I just would want that to be a bit more explicit yeah and, and the reason i say that is because there are and we know this right hey, Lawson, before people... before you continue hold that thought i just wanted to ask, is there anything you would like to pick off of it like like no, the okra Oh my goodness! <laughs> I should have known that was a trap. Oh. Like I, I, we've done this long enough for we me to have. know that you just trap me in these things. It was, it was nicely baited, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead. It, so it's there needs to be prominence to the word, and this goes back to truth. Like we've been talking about, mm-hmm. we talked about the um, the major theme of truth being in the forefront of worship. Well, he's given us truth. Right, and that truth is always rooted in the Word of God. Right, it's not abstract. Yeah, it's not right. abstract. You can and go so, to the source. Yeah, because we have we have plenty of churches nowadays that, that they'll come forward and they'll say, "My goodness, like isn't this God so great?" And then they'll espouse things that are wholly false. Mm-hmm. And so when we say that we're worshiping the grand God, we know where that's revealed. And so I just want that to be more more clearly in the forefront of that yeah. answer more than anything else. Yeah, um, it is ultimately why we are created. Right. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. To admire through truth exactly. and to worship in light of that. But, but this leads me to my, my next question. Can the unregenerate worship God? That's a trap. Uh, no. Hard, hard pass. I, th- I mean, they, they could, but it would be false, false worship. Be That's false right. Worship. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what we're dealing with is you, we can look out on any given Sunday, and, and we know that they're I mean, and invited to come in, right, uh, friends, please come join us. Yeah. But we know until everything is accomplished to make them born again, that, um, that it's yeah. it's just like like the scripture you just read, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it would be a facade, right? It's 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 Pharisaical worship. Right. The hour yeah. is coming yeah. and drawing near. Mm. God is seeking true worship. That's right. Yeah. Um. So, quote by A.W. Pink. <laughs> Why'd you laugh? Because he's my boy. Yeah. And, Theologically, not pastorally. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this is this is like his quote in the response to can the unregenerate worship God. So, the quote by A.W. Pink. In order to worship God, God must be known. Mm-hmm. And he cannot be known apart from Christ. Yeah. Mm. Much may be predicated and believed about a theoretical or a theological God, mm. but he cannot be known apart from the Lord Jesus. I mean, brother, that just blesses me. Yeah, like, mm. that, that's like just, it just that's warms just, me up. Let's just preach. And that, that goes back to can can unbelievers worship? And the answers the reason the answer is no is they don't have they they don't have the revelation of Christ because mm-hmm. they don't see him with spiritual eyes. Mm-hmm. And they certainly don't have means to enter into the throne of grace because mm-hmm. the only means of entry is through mm-hmm. his son. And they've rejected his son. So so how how does God measure worship? Like, you know, it's often I think like when we when we leave Right on a Sunday. I mean, you. I mean, Drew, you have a different perspective than any of us because you're up there looking out, and I would think that that we would sometimes measure by the the external. Yeah. Right. But does God look at the external? And we know the Scripture. Prof- I mean, says no. He I looks at the, the heart. I think the external is honestly some of the ordinary means of grace that we experience yeah. on the Lord's day. Through the through the the singing of the saints mm. and through allowing us to be unified in and through Christ. Mm. Um, yes. What, what, and do amen. You, what do you have to say about that, though? How does he measure it? I mean, Christ has purchased all that he, all that his bride needs to worship him. Yeah, and and that which is his, like we we are true worshipers. You know, it just makes me think that sometimes we. You know, I, I know for me, like sometimes, you know, because we are people of flesh, that we measure, you oh, know, worship sure. through the external. You know, how how you know you could ask anybody on any given Sunday, how how was it good? Yeah. And for me, it's like I think what we're walking through is the measuring stick of what God calls good, right? Yeah. Is it Trinitarian? Right. Yeah. Is it true? And was it spirit-filled? Yeah. Big S and little s. Yeah. And to that point, um, it can be very easy. And I think a lot of, if you ask a lot of faithful uh, worship ministers and leaders, um, it's very easy to get caught up in that, mm-hmm. in that outworking part. Yeah. Um, do, do you think that that's a, I mean, do you, do you think that sometimes that's a trap? You know, in that, in that we want to measure worship through some other means other than what God has prescribed? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to say that I struggle with it, but it's something that I'm often mindful of mm. because I think you can get caught up very quickly in your own self-righteousness, mm. um, which ultimately leads to idol worship. Mm. Mm. Um, A.W. goes on, so just picking back up where he was, it says, um, you know, that... that he cannot be known apart from the Lord Jesus. And then it, it goes on. It says, said he, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Therefore, it is a sinful make-believe, a fatal delusion, a wicked farce to cause unregenerate people to imagine that they can worship God. Mm-hmm. While the sinner remains away from Christ, he is the enemy of God, a child of wrath. How then can he worship God? 
While he remains in his unregenerate state, he is dead in his trespasses and sins. How then can he worship God? Mm. So I, I just had written yes, no, maybe, and obviously all three of us agree that mm. he, he can't. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask why? Why would we have an open door policy? Yeah, so that's a that's a super good question. Um, and I think I tell people often when they come here because they'll they'll ask me like, hey, I want to invite my friend who's lost. Um, and I say, by all means, like I encourage them to come. And, and, and my basic premise is I want them to feel like they are the most welcomed people that have ever walked in a door up until the time worship starts. Like I want the beauty of the Christian community to be seen and perceived where they can say, surely God is among mm, you. That's good. But inside of worship, the question should be, who is this God they worship? Mm. Because if they don't know him, then why is it? Like, let's be serious. Where do you see grown men... Um, worship or, or, or sing loudly or um, or I mean even even weep like that's just not something that's common you have mm-hmm. to imagine that as an unbeliever is looking around and people are enraptured by this by the glory of this God mm-hmm. and something that they can't see they can't see it nor can we yeah yeah I mean <laughs> like, know, I mean yeah. uh, only by the means of God's grace do right. we know him yeah absolutely and there's a and there's a and I think this goes for singing and preaching as well like it's so it's it's almost i mean it's it's somewhat shocking to watch the effects of preaching and singing because you have one soul who's alive and they are like their affections are engaged they are moved they walk out different because mm-hmm. they believe the word of the lord mm-hmm. and when even when they sing it that that's a reality for them but then you watch the other and they're like at best they sounded good. Mm. They sounded good, and I'll be honest with you, like y- y'all sound great. Like I mean, you could I could drop you anywhere and be like, hey, mm-hmm. listen, to these very talented people mm-hmm. sing, but there's something transcendent about it that is not received if you don't have the spirit of God to see. Well, skill is is to be worked at. Yeah, um, like it says in Chronicles. Yeah, that they were skilled mm-hmm. uh, as David was was instructed to build the temple, but it's not like I said, it's not to be exalted Mm -hmm. yeah because we can just make a joyful noise right absolutely come on that's it that's all i can make i'm sorry i'm gonna that's all that matters so when we were having trouble recording and stuff like that recently i started i tell you this already i I started the recording early because i didn't want to forget from my tablet (laughs) and so when i went back to edit it it had me singing oh nice it was awful and so beth for, the la- beth for the last like <laughs> eight years has been like so you're a terrible singer you sing super loudly and i and i'm grateful to hear you worship the lord but goodness gracious like yeah. can you please stay on pitch and i was like it's not that bad it's not that bad and so i sit down to edit it no lie i'm in my office at the house and i walk out and i'm like i was wrong i was wrong it's it's so bad it's so bad so to his defense, that mic is really close to Come his on, mouth. And, no, this uh, is on my tablet. No, uh, no there's no, no defense here. He's trying to, right? boy, he's trying to boy hood up. I love hearing your voice. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I sometimes like to, to sort of mess with the beat a little bit and so I can get him to kind of blurt out a little, little ahead just so I, can hear, <laughs> so I can hear it a little better. But no, true story. My wife, and she's probably going to kill me for, for sharing this, um, has a distinct negative memory of when she was a child and was not in Christ yet. That a a girl leaned over to her and said, "Your singing is ugly." Oh, oh, come on! And to this day, struggles to let her voice be heard. You're gonna get in trouble when you get home. 
But I think this is. But I think yeah. this is good. Yeah. It's very real because it's, and it's and in men as as you know the whole mm-hmm. masculinity thing can, mm-hmm. be, can be an an issue as well. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's it's a great reminder that we do well to remember that God doesn't judge worship on the means that we often yeah. judge. Is it pleasing to my ear? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Because if we be in Christ, yeah, like we can shout and and say things in and during sermons as much as you want and never be judged by anybody mm. in there. He's getting he's they should want to hear anyone <laughs> shout fired up. He's getting yes. fired up. I love it. I'm These are the words we can you. go with. Yeah. Yes. Come on. Yeah. And even link a sentence together. God have mercy on us. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> That that should I mean that's worship. It is. Don't you dare judge that. me. Don't y'all judge me. And to your point about why why should we invite people in to worship? Um, music will never do what the gospel can do. Hmm. So we like in, just musical. You're saying yeah, just the, like the the, the, the tunes. outworking the tunes the skill. It's not the gospel, right? But if we hmm. sing the word. And serve the preached word, mm-hmm. we thus can help herald that gospel mm-hmm. to the unbeliever. Mm-hmm. So I think I think music it accompanies right the, worship. The truth is like an aroma. Yeah, Bob Coughlin yeah. talks about serving the preached word, mm-hmm. um, and you guys know how much I love him and his writings, and and how much uh, he personally has has helped me and many others. But uh, that was so prominent to me in the beginning. He said. If you feel inadequate, you're in the right place for God to use you mm-hmm. as a leader. And it led into learning the, the, the purpose of serving that preached word um, so that the saints can sing mm-hmm. in spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. But I think as well, and, and my elders may correct me, that if the unbeliever comes in and hears that, and even if they compare it to the world or what they've heard somewhere else, mm-hmm. and they hear that as serving that, ex- that that same preached word that, that the pastor is preaching uh, and have that aha moment that links it together, mm-hmm. I think the I think the spirit can move mm-hmm. in that. And that's one of the things that I sort of dork out about is is uh, planning those lyrics for the text. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for expository preaching in that, uh, which makes my job easier. Um, when you, when when your pastor gives you the uh, the text more than uh, a day in advance, well, we've been doing it long enough. And and again, mm-hmm. when he's expositing a book, uh, the word, I mean, I, do, I generally know where we're at. You know, again, to Bob Coughlin, you know, he's taught taught before that, you know, we need to be singing the truths of today, but mm-hmm. we also, you know, need to be singing those truths of those scriptures mm-hmm. that we maybe mm-hmm. covered in the in the couple of weeks before. And I can get off on a on a on a rant on this, but. The planning of those lyrics uh, to serve that word, and then just and it's just God and His grace. Sometimes He'll He'll show me uh, as I look out and and see a person, kind of say "Aha," because they mm. have just heard our pastor preach that, and and then we're able to sing mm-hmm. that. And thank God for His grace and His word, and for and for great hymn writers, both old and new, who give us those resources mm-hmm. to 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 serve the word. Uh, well, you accurately. mentioned uh, serving with excellence, and I think I think Paul was onto something here when he said, "Don't be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal." I mean, I think we would all agree we don't want noisy gongs and clanging cymbals up front. I mean, I think there's something to be said to having 
well-performed music, right? People exercising their talents well, because to your point, you want people to come in and to, and to have a pleasing sound to the ear accompanied with truth. You know, I don't, I can tell you right now, Lawson, you already admitted you're the last person that needs to be up there behind the mic. But I think the reality is it doesn't need our lack of talent doesn't need to hinder our our singing loudly the praises of Christ, right? right? Like mm-hmm. worried about what is my neighbor thinking? Like we should not be in that mode where our neighbor fades away. Our eyes should be clearly fixed yeah. on Christ. Amen to that. Um, and then all else, you know, to me, we should just be in one accord. Yeah. Um, A.W. Pink continues on with the exclusivity of Trinitarian worship. And he says, um, God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This must is final. Mm-hmm. There is no alternative, no choice in the matter. It is not the first time that we have this very emphatic word in John's gospel. There are two notable verses where it occurs previously. And he says in John 3, 7, Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up in John three fourteen. Each of these three musts, is equally important and, and unequivocal. The first has reference to God the Spirit, for he it is who regenerates. The second refers to the work of God the Son, for he it is who made atonement for sin. The third has reference to God the Father, for he it is that seeketh worshipers. This order cannot be changed. It is only those who have been born of the Spirit and who are resting upon the atoning work of Christ that can worship the Father. So just let me hear you on, my opinion is that is so helpful in laying out the plain terms of the economy of God's salvation. You know, do, you know thinking about the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and that we worship the one true God in spirit and in truth, any, any closing thoughts in regards to anything that we've covered Pastor Lawson, you go first. Yeah, I mean, I just think there are a few things. One of the things that Drew said that that I think is just really important is his understanding that the music doesn't do what the gospel does. And I really do think that in our day and time, there is a movement that says music can do what the gospel does. Mm. Music can bring people in. Music can woo people. Mm -hmm. And the reality is it can. Music can woo people. But it doesn't do what the gospel does, right? It can provoke mm-hmm. emotion. It can provoke affection. Mm-hmm. But it can't make dead men live, mm. right? And so even when we sing the gospel, and I've, one of my favorite things, and I tell young men who are, going into, who are planning on going into pulpit ministry, is that you know you've effectively preached the word when the response song is loud, like there is something about same thing with a call to worship or uh, a prayer or something like that 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 serves the worship is it emphasizes the God we worship and then the natural response is to sing you know we say this often here like our desire inside of our church is to see saints sing loudly the praises of Christ because he's worthy of it mm-hmm. and so that means we preach the gospel and we have an expectation that the outworking of the gospel is worship mm-hmm. that's, that's the only thing I, the the counter of this it's so prominent we do not win souls with music that's right um, we win souls with the gospel 
And then it is incredible that as people live, they worship like they're alive. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. You know, it's hard to add much to that. I mean, just as a whole, I'm just I'm thankful for uh, my church family um, who don't treat worship like a spectator sport. Mm -hmm. Bro, you're taking the words out of my mouth because I I was just thinking about like the entertainment, right? Yeah. What we see Mm -hmm. other people draw in and keep people with. I've always heard you say what you what you uh how, how do you coin it you win them to what you win them with yeah, and then you're stuck it's not mine, to drew you what to your point yeah. like then you're stuck with this constant uh burden of entertaining the people and it's a tr- it's a trap and it's a really really slippery slope mm-hmm. because like i told you earlier about getting too caught up in the skill it's important but it's not to be exalted mm-hmm. um and you can get caught up in that self-righteousness um, and, and concentrating on the performance. Um, you know, so David Platt says, um, we can never let worship decompose into a vicarious experience where the many are in the, are in the congregation who are merely watching the few on the platform who are at best worship, worshiping and at worst are performing. Mm-hmm. And that scares the yeah. mess out of me mm-hmm. if i'm just being full honest mm-hmm. um and it's it's always on my mind and then just back to the point of having of having that church family who regularly gathers and who comes mm-hmm. in and worships sings loudly the mm-hmm. praises of christ uh, and and uh having elders who are always shepherding me uh with the truth mm-hmm. so i guess i don't Kind of talking on two different subjects here. No, I but, think you're covering the means of accountability. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I want to ultimately one. who you're accountable to, and then the saints here at Mercy yeah. Hill bless you in regards to not desiring to be entertained. Yes, yep. I'm going to add one thing because uh, Drew, you'll remember this day. Well, we all will. So the day we moved from the gym, mm. so we so Mercy Hill first met in a gymnastics gym, which was 10,000 square feet, and you know. You're not going to hear the people, the congregation sing in an environment like that. You so just the, the green astroturf was really soaking up. Yeah, yeah, it was mm-hmm. absorbing all, all the acoustics. Of, yeah, well, on the ceiling, it was, was like such 50 a foot huge high. room, yeah. right? I'll never forget the first day that we worshipped in here. Such a blessing because, and it really was like nothing changed on the stage. You, you, we, you did the same thing you always do. The one thing that changed is you could hear. You could hear every every member of our congregation sing, and I tell people often: you can measure the health of your congregation normally by how loudly the men sing. Mm-hmm. And um, and man, I'll just I, I'll never forget that day because that day was the clearest indicator to me that that our worship is genuine. Mm-hmm. I want to piggyback off of that. So that day, I can remember being moved to tears. Uh, which, I was. I couldn't get up there. I and, and it was just. It was. Yeah. We used the word profound. Um, sometimes, like when I, when I'm when I'm leading worship, sometimes I'll I'll say, you, you know, we use the word awesome a lot in our culture. Mm. But really, if you know, the definition of awesome is just being full of awe. And those those the moment was just mm. so awesome. And you know, with everything that's going on with with 2020 and all its craziness, you know, we were out in the parking lot yeah. 
you know, we, we did the YouTube church for a while and, or not church. We did the YouTube. Yeah, don't uh, say that. <laughs> yeah. You get what I'm saying. Um, and yeah. then we were outside for a month and we come back in after having some work done in this space and it was the same yeah. thing. Agree. Just moved to tears, just blows you away. Mm. I get chill bumps, you know, just thinking about it. Mm. And then I, and I think you've heard me say this already in the podcast, but those ordinary means of grace that yeah. we as saints can experience mm-hmm. you know you you watch yeah. the word experience yeah. in, in today's culture right but by by coming together on the lord's day uh and i'll and i'll make lawson nervous with nervous with this but the the great comedian comedian uh mississippi comedian here from, we go from, there it hey, is. Listen, from from route four liberty mississippi come on jerry clower Let me hear you he talks about he said he has a phrase don't rob yourself of the blessing and he talks about church he talks about these ordinary means of grace that we're that we're talking about 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 worshiping about giving and i just i think about i think about um people who don't who don't have that and that you know this may not be the most doctrinally sound thing <laughs> right but hey don't rob yourself of this blessing yeah mm-hmm. yeah simple and profound come yes. and eat yes come yes. and eat so um, I'll close our time with a valuable truth from God's word. It's Colossians three sixteen through 17, which says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I want to thank my fellow elder Lawson Harlow and especially thank Drew Thomas, our Mercy Hill worship leader, for discussing how only true worshipers worship the triune God in spirit and in truth. Removing any one of these is like eating the breading off the fried okra. And let's be honest, (laughs) man, you may be eating something, but it ain't fried okra. My brothers and my friends, Godspeed.